Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. to another episode of Believe in Kentucky. My name is Vinny Hardy. Got Aaron Gershon from thecatspaws.com. Jalen Whitlow, former UK quarterback. Fellas, how's it going this evening? Good, man. Yeah, man, it's good. Still down in Florida, doing some family stuff down here. Obviously, just went up to Jacksonville, and uh, next stop is Gainesville on Friday. So uh, a lot of stuff happened, but uh, pretty good. Good stuff, good stuff. So, yeah, we got a recap. You know, glad you getting to enjoy the rays and the nice weather and the waves and the beach and all that. But we had the, had the good punch of the bowl games. We have to talk about that. Got the Cats starting SEC play, like you mentioned, Saturday. You know, the first real road game at Florida because uh, Louisville was basically a home game. So, uh, college football playoff. Got national championship Monday, all kind of stuff to get to, man. All kind of stuff. But we gave Clemson CPR, had him on the ropes, and instead of knocking them out, we put the defibrillator on their chest and said, "Come on back in this game, and, and go, y'all go ahead and win this." Basically, yeah, it felt like one of those old Kentucky football games, right? <laughs> Where they find a way to kind of disappoint and lose, but. First of all, I mean, that game was just – it kind of – I don't know. It, it was just nuts. It's hard to describe that game. 42 points in the fourth quarter combined. What was it? Five lead changes in that quarter. Nine overall, I believe. It was just it, – it's what bowl season should be. So, at least you got to give credit to both teams for laying it all out there and, and bringing it. But from Kentucky's point of view, that's one that's going to sting a while, man. I mean, you – it starts – I know we'll get into the Brad White and the soft coverage stuff, I'm sure, but it starts with four turnovers in the fourth quarter. I mean, you're not going to win a game, more likely than not, if you do that. And three of them – you know, I, I'll, I guess I'll excuse the one at the end of the game where you're just trying to make something happen, 17 seconds, you throw a pick, whatever. But um, the strip sack was avoidable. Barry on Brown trying to get extra yardage, didn't tuck the ball. That was avoidable. Uh, the – We've seen so many passes tipped at the bat, tipped at the line all year long, and finally one got picked off there. So that's where, you know, that's where they lost the game, you know, first and foremost. And then obviously, you know, the third down defense was an issue all year, and it and it caught up to them again. But this one, I think, you know, you score thirty five points, uh, twenty eight on offense, you do a lot of good things. But you know, this loss at the end of the day is on the offense when you look at the turnovers and, and the fields that um short fields that Clemson was able to score on. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, um like I said the turnovers were, you know, the, the big thing in my eyes. I I didn't have too much of a problem, you know, with the defense playing soft coverage. Now, you know, that term is relative because yeah, you know, to Kentucky sometimes soft coverage means like nowhere in the vicinity of the receiver. <laughs> But um, at the same time, you know you can't you can't turn the ball over. But I, I just this is one of those losses that um, you know it, 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 they're not gonna get over that one because you you play a Clemson team who is kind of decimated, man. Uh, you know mm-hmm. they don't have nearly what they had, you know, in week one through eleven or one through ten or one through twelve. You know, so you play a decimated Clemson team, and you kind of you let them off the hook. You, you know, you beat yourself. Um, you know, you don't look like the most well coached team on the field. That's always, that's always, a, a, you know, always bothersome for coaches, man. Because again, you know, I thought Kentucky was a better team going into that game. Um, you know, just roster wise, they were the better team on paper. Um, you know, with everybody returning. You know, whatnot. So. You know, it's just one of those losses that you don't get over, man. They they got to find a way to be more disciplined. 
you know, sometimes you have those games where or those years where for some reason the ball is just on the ground too much. Um, but you got to try to find a way to cut that out, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, we all we all know this and we all kind of said this, you know, at Kentucky, you don't have very much room for error when you're playing good teams. Uh, you just don't. That's just the reality. Um, so you got to find a way to, 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 to eliminate the, the mistakes where you're being yourself. Um, you know, if they do that, then they got a shot. They got a good team coming back. But it does, you know, a very, very sour note, um, you know, has been sent to uh, Kentucky football this offseason. So they got to try to shake that off uh, within the next couple of months and kind of, or within the next couple of weeks, I should say, and get this thing rolling because, you know, you got offseason workouts starting pretty soon um, and guys coming in via transfer portal, we got freshmen coming in. Uh, getting started, so you got to shake it and get and get on track and kind of get move everything to 2024 and spring ball. But um, you know, it it, it 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 pays to go into the off season on a good note, beating a team like Clemson. But so I know the coaches staff disappointed, but it, you know they got to find a way to shake it. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, AG. Yeah, and I think the most disappointing part of that defense in the in that last drive, it wasn't even that. You're right. The Jalen or the relative with the soft coverage and, you know, Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops rather explained that they were trying to protect some of the backup corners at that point in the game. You know, Max Harrison was out. Um, Andrew Phillips had gotten hurt on a two point conversion play. So, you know, you're down to Jordan Robinson, JQ Hardaway and Jansen Dunn. But the truth of it is Jansen Dunn really played a good game. And so did Hardaway. I know Jordan Robinson's kind of struggled all year. But the thing that bothered me most, it wasn't even the coverage. It was you had eight sacks and you brought no heat. You're yes. you're rushing three, and they didn't bring any heat on that lat on that third and sixteen, uh, third and eighteen. And on what two plays before when you got the intentional grounding, it was because it was a corner blitz and Jansen Dunn made Klubnik throw it away. So I just didn't understand why would you go away from what's working for you all game long. I mean, this pass rush has been up and down all year outside of Deion Walker and this game, eight sacks, you know, two from J.J., who, you know, credit to him. He really played well the last two games of the season, uh, a sack and a half for Deion. He's, we all know how big of a superstar he is, but Octavius Oxendine had a great game. Trayvon Ripka has been coming alive lately. I don't think in a sack, but he was super involved in the pass rush. There was a lot of good things from that pass rush. And at the end of the game, when you need two more plays – you go away from it. So that's what drove me nuts a little bit. Absolutely. Coming to y'all live, um, live streamed on Twitter. Follow us at Believe in Kentucky, YouTube page, Believe in Kentucky Podcast, Facebook, Believe in Kentucky, B-O-E-A-V-I-N-K-Y. Already got a comment. AG already responded to it. But we'll get John Sanders uh, highlighted up there. Got his comment. What are the chances we get AJ Harris from Georgia? So I know you're going to get to that. Appreciate yeah, John. Um, and y'all, y'all subscribe, follow us at all those platforms. We also got merch, like we talked about last week, got the Cat Daddy shirts. I don't have it here, but go to shop.believe.com, shop.believav.com, search Cat Daddy, get yourself a Cat Daddy shirt available in blue, white, or gray. And we appreciate y'all interacting on all these platforms and, and checking us out. So thank you, John. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate the question, obviously, and I know that's kind of the hot topic going around on message boards apparently tonight in our message board at the Cats Paws. And uh, all I can tell you, well, first of all, just to explain to AJ Harris is five-star prospect out of Phoenix City, Alabama last year, cornerback, uh, only played in five games on defense this year at Georgia, but I mean, a five-star prospect just coming out of high school last year. So three years of eligibility left and 247 for what it's worth has him as the seventh best player in the transfer portal um, right now in the second best cornerback, uh, cornerback only behind another former Georgia guy, uh, Nyland Green, who's already uh, signed with Purdue. But I was get, I got a screenshot. I think it was on three, one of those message boards where a Georgia reporter apparently likes Kentucky there. Um, and I did some digging, and what I heard is um, Kentucky, I, I wouldn't call it a lock by any means, but I've heard Kentucky is in, indeed involved. It sounds like from talking to other people, they've been trying to downplay it a lot to probably keep schools off the radar there. But it does sound like Kentucky is a, is a possible landing spot there. And it would obviously make a ton of sense. I mean, A.J. Harris 
would fit an, uh, an obvious need. I mean, I think it spoke a lot that Kentucky didn't quite trust um, Dunn, Hardaway, and uh, Robinson at the end of that game there. They need a corner. Andrew Phillips is going to the NFL. Uh, Max Harrison will be back, but you need someone there across the field. And that's a high five-star guy with three years of experience who also was a high school teammate of um, JQ Hardaway. So there's a connection right there. And then you obviously get, you know, Jamin Dumas Johnson and Brock Vandegrift who were with him at Georgia. So, you know, that it logically seems like it makes sense. And I, I have heard some rumblings. I wouldn't say it's a done deal. They have a silent commit or whatever, but um, I've heard some stuff that UK could be the landing spot and uh, we'll see what happens. I know Auburn had been super involved in it early. Uh, that's kind of fizzled out. I know Penn state is still very much in the mix, but it does sound like uh, Kentucky is involved there. And that would be uh, at least on paper, quite the get for a huge, the, probably I'd say that and right tackle the two positions they must address here uh, as the portal, you know, now the portal's closed for undergrads, a couple more days for guys who played in a bowl within the last five days. But, um, you know, they still got to add at those two positions. They're still going to have some attrition, you know, in the spring and maybe even guys who've already graduated that can pop in at any time. So, um, yeah, that, that's what I've heard to sum it up. Are you familiar with him there in Phoenix City coming up through the high school ranks, Jay? No, I, I never – I'm not familiar with the name, man. Uh, I know where Phoenix City is, and they just won state this year. Uh, yeah, no, they're a monster program. No, UK's no got doubt. a lot of guys out of there. Yeah, Bo Nick's dad is the uh, head coach there. So, yep. uh, you know, my, my head coach from high school used to be the head coach there. He won a state championship there as well. So, uh, powerhouse program, uh, probably, you know, I would say that city has pound for pound probably the best – players in the state um you know they just it's just ridiculous what they produce every year <laughs> it is. um you know but i never heard of this kid to be honest with you um however if he if he was at georgia and he had a scholarship to georgia well, and he was a five-star yeah I, I would say try to get him <laughs> yeah yeah no and th this is a school that obviously you know again kentucky has familiarity with that high school jq hardaway played there with aj harris josh jones an offensive lineman who's with them uh is he still on the roster josh jones i know he had a season ending injury and missed 22 he might have he might have hit the portal after last year i can't remember but that was a guy out of that high school so yeah he's not with the, with the program anymore but um yeah they've had they've had success with uh that city in the past and Again, you know, logical fit, position of need, um, fits the prototype, tall, long corner. And uh, Kentucky's got a couple of George guys already coming inside. So, uh, you know, we'll see. This is not, you know, recruiting. It's always changing, man. Uh, even in the portal, I saw just as an example today, Jalen Kimber, former Florida DB, uh, committed to Louisville a couple of days ago, and then he's visiting A&M this weekend. So, like, even even the even the portal guys, when they're committed, you got to wait till they're on the dotted line. But um yeah, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Most notably known to Kentucky fans for getting ran over by Ray Davis. On yeah, that guy. Touchdowns. Maybe he just doesn't want to have to play Kentucky again this year. <laughs> I didn't have to do him like that, but I mean, you know, that's. No, nah, I'm just kind of. I didn't mean to dig at Louisville even there. I just I, that was the latest example of a guy. I know there's been decommits and commits in the portal season already going on. So it's a. Uh, these portal kids just want to be a high school recruit one more time when it comes to that one. So it's just <laughs> wild stuff out there. Be a high school kid one more time, man. <laughs> hey man, what about the what about the kid that went to Purdue from Georgia, man? I mean, that bag must have been, that bag must have been yeah. I, I, that's a great question, Nylon Green. Um, I didn't I didn't really read up on him much. I, I he's from Georgia too, so it's not like he's from you know Indiana or the Midwest. So uh, you know, obviously they have a defensive minded head head coach there with Ryan Waters, but. Yeah, that was interesting. Somebody wrote a check, man. Yeah, I mean, I will. Yeah, that's probably what it was. But I will say, I mean, um, uh, uh, Syracuse, you know, they obviously hired um, uh, Fran Brown, who was Georgia's yeah. defensive backs coach, and they're cleaning up in the portal, both with ex George guys, ex SEC guys that Brown recruited. So, yeah, I mean, those, co I'd have to do a deeper dive into um, Purdue staff. Other to rule out anything other than money there, but uh, yeah. yeah, you know these connections mean a lot at the end of the day. Yeah, and I mean we've seen it benefit Kentucky many times with the yep. miss recruitment initially, but you get them on the backside after they yeah. go a couple years. You know, Wandell and 
things of that nature. And, yeah. and you you think maybe everybody would do that, but you know they probably don't and they probably aren't. But that's one of you know the things Merrill and those guys, they consistently never burn bridges. I know that right. was some bad English right there, but they keep the bridges, you know, intact. No, even if it doesn't lead to a recruitment coming out of high school, a commitment coming out of high school. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And that's something, you know, Vince Maris talked about. That was something last year that JQ Hardaway, who we've mentioned a lot here today, has talked about. Um, I asked Mark Stoops about it and he talked about it, you know, on signing day. But I mean, just from this cycle alone, Jalen Farmer, the offensive lineman from Florida who signed with Kentucky, he was a guy that um, Kentucky recruited out of high school. Chip Trainum was a guy that Kentucky recruited out of high school way back uh, when he ended up going to Arizona State. Um, and then last year's cycle, uh, Ben Christman, uh, the offensive lineman who will get back from injury this year, was the guy they offered. So there, there's countless examples of that with Kentucky and the portal and uh, going back and finding those old phone numbers and and kind of rekindling some relationships from the high school recruiting trail there. And they, you know, gotten a lot of bang for their book with the portal. Yeah. With the guys that they do – get from the portal they've, they've played they've come in been productive you know gotten on the field and, and contributed and they've their sure. track record in that department has, has been pretty strong too and coming from big name schools and now you add georgia you know penn state lsu auburn ever since the portal's been a thing and you know you old as i am you you remember when you know kentucky's beating out kent state and you know eku <laughs> for talent and now a kid from Auburn is transferring to like LSU right. transfer now Georgia. So it's it's still, you know, you still got to iron out the little details and not beat, but you still the stockpiling of talent is continuing to still be at a a high level. Yeah, I, I mean, just look at. I mean, if you look at the class they have coming in right now, I mean, I know Jamori Macklin. His best two years were obviously at North Texas, but he's a guy who had a high school and a ton of Power Five offers, and obviously started over at Missouri, where his cousin was a star there. And um, you know, like you said, a couple of Georgia guys in this class, Florida, Texas A and M. Um, they're taking talent from pretty big schools, uh, and there are still some. You know, there's still some uh, group of five guys they're interested in. You know, today they offered a. Uh, two guys from UAB, uh, one, the wide receiver, is actually from Frankfurt, st uh, started this year for most of the year at UAB. They offered a corner from there. Um, BJ Mays, I believe his name is. So, you know, they're still they're still trying to find some guys, some hidden gems maybe. But, um, yeah, they are poaching a lot of a lot of big name, big school talent that uh, is looking for more playing time elsewhere. And uh, they're doing a pretty good job. And like you said, they have a pretty good track record. I mean, whether it's Wandale, Will Levis, Jacquez Jones, um, Kelvin Joseph going that far back. I mean, they're 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 they're, they're, they're having success when they get here. Jacquez and Keedron and yeah, yep. Rosenthal. It's just yeah, been pretty pretty good track record, man. So that's 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 good to see him get. Yeah, Ray Davis. He's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good. Um, got invited to the combine, so I'm tweet that out. So that's mm -hmm. you know. That's good. As big as it gets. That's, that's the good. biggest honor he can get. Not that in the senior bowl, and he's got both of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's see. We've got that. Um what else? We had the had the high school game today. Well, Ice Beat Fire 39 to 3. The Corbin kids were playing in that. The Smith brothers were there, and I think a couple other Kentucky guys. Were yeah, there. one's got a broken wrist though, I believe, or something yeah. wrist, yeah. something injury. One played, one did. One played, one didn't. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but just good to see, you know, you know, you, especially in basketball, everybody, everybody watched the McDonald's game, the Iverson game, and yeah, it got Kentucky kids in there. And now to see, you know, it's it's an Under Armour game, and and I to see, you know, Kentucky commitments in that as well. That's, you know, that's good too. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And uh, what was pretty cool is a lot of those guys, I, I don't know about the Smith twins, but I know Brian Robinson, yeah, uh, Cutter yeah. Bowley, and then Hardly Gilmore. Those are the three that I know off the top of my head. They were all – and Clemson had a bunch of guys do it too. So I guess it's a new thing this year where um, these signees, whether they're transfers or high school kids, can actually go to these bowl practices and participate in them and kind of get acquainted with the culture and everything. So, you know, it's cool to see a couple guys take Kentucky up on that and um, – you know, obviously, they didn't win the game, but uh, they played. You know, 
uh, it's tough to it's tough to be too you know the turnovers will drive you crazy with that Gator Bowl and you're always going to remember that third and eighteen you know sixteen yeah. yard chunk play but uh, clearly the preparation for that bowl game led to a, a pretty positive result I mean you know if we want to go back to that for a second uh, the wide receiver play I mean Barry on Brown and Dane Key balled out and those were two guys that we talked about at length last week like they need to take advantage of playing a bunch of backup and experienced corners and show, you know, their stars. And that's exactly what both of them did. Uh, Jordan Dingle, fresh out of the portal with a 72 yard catch. So, and there were a lot of good things you could take from that game uh, and bring into next year. It just would have been, would have been a lot sweeter uh, if you could bring a win over Clemson, you know, into next year. But again, you know, the wide receiver play, you know, that play by Dingle, uh, the pass rush, like those are all things you you need to put on tape and build on next year. Mm-hmm. John talking about, you just mentioned the kid from Frankfurt, yep. the big kid from Frankfurt. Going back to the, the high schoolers plan and getting to go and practice at these these bowl games and stuff like that, is that something you would have done, Jalen, if, if it had been a thing back then, to, to go that early? And I, I don't know, man, because it's the time is so different now. Uh, you know, and you ain't that old. It's you make it, it you sound like you're like 56, you sound like you're 56 years old when you talk about this stuff. But you but it, it, just a decade ago, you were there, so I mean, you know, I'm just saying, just for just for yeah, listening, like, you know. But like, like Nick Saban said, man, there's there's more has changed in college football in the past five years than the past wrong. 50 before that, yeah. So I don't know, man. Uh, we, it was a different time, like, I, you know. I, I remember in my class, I, I don't know if we had anybody who got to Kentucky early, who graduated early to come to school, go to college. I, I, I don't remember anybody. Uh, and to be honest with you, I'm against that. I don't I don't believe in that. Um, I believe that kids should enjoy the second half of the senior year. I believe that kids should go to prom. I believe that kids should graduate with the rest of their class. I believe that kids should enjoy baseball if they play baseball uh, for their school or play basketball, run track for their school. I believe that they should finally get a chance if they didn't play those sports to be a regular student and hang out with the regular students in the school, you know, be able to, okay, I got a semester with no sports. All I got to do is work out and get ready for college. I believe that kids should do that, man. Everybody's rushing to the bag. Now everybody's rushing to whatever they deem is the next level. However, uh, when they look back as adults, you know, some of them may not because they're probably getting the bag, but when they look back, they're going to be like, man, I missed out on a lot of stuff just to get to college four months earlier or five months earlier. Uh, so to be honest with you, I'm against it. Uh, now, I get it, you know, when kids want to get there and get there and compete. But I tell I tell these high school kids, man, college is going to always be there. You get you get a chance to transfer twice now. So what's the what's the rush, man? What, what you rushing to? Like be a high school kid, man. Like a lot of people, you know wish they can do what you do you know a lot of people wish they can you know have a chance to just be a high school student again and you know so just just do that like you know what i'm saying I, I i'm not into the rush into the next phase of life thing like enjoy where you're at man be where your feet are but it's hard to tell people that nowadays because the money is too good they they, they go into these big schools and they're graduating early and they're getting paid and you know they promise this and promise that and they're trying to compete for a spot which i get but at the same time you know, uh, I kind of, you know, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a college coach or anything, uh, but I kind of miss those days with those, all the, all the high school kids or the incoming freshmen showed up on campus the same day in the yeah. summer that, you know, that, that, that used to mean something, man. But, you know, I know I sound like an old head up here talking, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, the kids, you know, they, these kids listen to this or they hear this, trust me, don't rush to this stuff, man. Like it's going to be there. Like, enjoy where you're at. Like, I see all these kids, you know, now in high school, and they some of them sophomores in high school, and they're playing for their high school football team. And you check their bio on Twitter or IG, they don't even have their high school stuff on there. They have Ole Miss commit or X school, com- whatever, they commit to where. Like, who cares? Like, you're 15, dog. Be in high school and play high school football. Enjoy your high school teammates. Run track. Play baseball. Like play basketball. Like do that. Like you know what I'm saying. Like stop. Stop trying to. Stop trying to rush this thing. Like you know, there's going to become a time in their life where they they wish they can go back and do that stuff again. So 
Um, you know, I always say, I always tell our kids, at the end of the day, I know guys who play on Sundays right now. I know guys who played on Saturdays, guys who didn't play on Saturdays or Sundays. And they always talk about what happened in high school football. Yeah. That's the first thing they talk about when they get together. So I know I'm going off on a tangent, but, you know, I, you know, somebody need to kind of slow, you know, kind of pump the brakes on this thing, man. This thing is going a little bit too fast, in my opinion. Natasha agrees with you. There's been a lot of changes, and it's sometimes hard to keep up. And it is. It is. <laughs> I mean, I, and right. I, I'm in, I coach high school kids, and it's hard to keep up. Mm -hmm. I, you know, it, it is. Th things are moving extremely fast, man. I, like I said, they should they should stop calling this thing collegiate athletics now. I mean, it's just not. It's the G League. It's the you know it, that's it's semi pro. That's what it is. Everybody's trying to rush and see if I can get that roster spot. Rush and see you know how much money can I get. Like it, it is. It is not. It's not the same. You know. I mean. I guess they go to class still, but I guess. Well, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I think so. So we got all the football already. Uh, Playoffs, man. Bowling. Yeah, no, we got to get through that. All the, all the Kentucky football already. Uh, yeah, no, we got – yeah, I don't think there was anything else. Uh, I think was it John that said, you know, Fred Ferrier, that was the name of the wide receiver from UAB. Um, I don't think there was much else. Anything could happen in this next 30 minutes while we keep going, but uh, I think that pretty much covers uh, Kentucky's front, obviously, just to put a bow on it. Uh, bowl game was what it was. It was very entertaining. I think I saw yeah. kind of a segue into what we're going to talk about that it was ranked like the second most entertaining bowl game of bowl season, and that that felt about right. So, uh, you know, hey, at least we didn't get what a love to have won, but at least you didn't get that Music City Bowl last year where you didn't score points and basically it was just a waste for everyone involved. So, mm. at least you got that. Yeah, that's true. So, Alabama. Falls short against Michigan, Washington, outlast Texas. Uh, Texas, you know, I'm sorry, we have a Washington-Michigan championship Monday. Big Ten championship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that doesn't sound weird at all. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, I guess – I'll start with the second game first because Michael, I've gotten to watch Michael Penix a little bit. You know, those games are late. And sometimes, you know, if they're on at nine and Kentucky plays a night game, I won't get to it in time. You know, I saw him play, obviously, in the Pac-12 championship. But some of the throws he made in that game, man, holy cow. I mean, he doesn't miss. He doesn't miss. It's I unbelievable, mean, that kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean. No, and, you got to go ahead. Yeah. The Washington receivers were well covered to me. I mean, I'm not at times absolutely. DBs hanging all over him, getting the arm in there to, to separate, and he was throwing laser after laser. Oh. I was like, I said, Texas cannot stop these dudes. Oh. Every time they go vertical, it's it's complete. There was a touchdown he threw in the middle of the end zone where there were like three DBs there, and he threaded it right in between them, right to where the ball needed to be for a touchdown. I mean, that guy was just. On another level, and Texas, you know, like you said, I didn't think Texas played horrible defense, but wasn't enough. And uh, I didn't think Quinn Ewers obviously had a great game. I, they kept showing Arch Manning. I was like, are we going to really do this thing? Are we really going to throw him in here? Um, but uh, obviously they didn't. And then, it, you know, unfortunately, that injury with Dylan Johnson, when Texas got the ball back and they were – I thought they were going to score. You know, when they were at the 12-yard line, I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be the game where Dylan Johnson gets – wrongfully blamed for getting hurt because he couldn't get up and you know they lose the game because of it so you know at that point i was happy to see washington hold on it would have been terrible if that was that would have been the way they'd lost yeah hey man but you know kind of going back to the bama michigan yeah i, I think it's it's the two teams that you know every I, at least the people that i know and i told y'all that Obviously, I'm from the South, the Deep South, and, and nobody, to be honest with you, really cares about Michigan or Washington. Uh, so no. we thought that everybody around here thought that it would be Texas and Alabama. Uh, but I did say, I, and I tweeted this a few weeks back, I said, if Bama doesn't win it, Washington will. Um, yeah, you said it on here too, I think. Yeah, if Bama doesn't win it, Washington's going to win it all. It's something about Washington. 
one of uh, the head coach at the school that I coach at, he texted me during the game. He was like, because we, there's a school in Georgia who kind of very similar to Washington. Like they just, they just, it just happened for them. They just make the plays when they're supposed to make them. And they are just seem like a team of destiny, man. They, I don't know what it is. Well, they, it just seemed that way. They, they always find a way to pull it out. Uh, and people got to, you know, and this is about to be the boldest statement on the planet right now. But Kalen DeBoer is the best coach in the country right now. He's a oh he, man. He's, 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 he's like a he's like a hundred and ten and like eight as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you know, dude, that's like that's nobody has ever done that. Nobody, nobody has ever done that. So, you know, what he's doing at Washington now. Washington has a good team. Washington is better than most people give him credit for when it comes to their talent. At offensive line, at receiver, they're really good. Running back is really good. Quarterback is the best passer in the country. You know, defense is 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 good enough. Um, but you know, I think the way the quarterback is playing right now, it don't matter if the guy's covered or not. <laughs> I, I sat there and watched this film from last year. I sat there and watched the games that he played this year, and it's consistent. It doesn't matter what you do on defense. It doesn't matter what coverage you play. Who's on them? The ball is always placed with the ball. That's I've unbelievable. Never, I, this, I've never, ever seen this out of all the quarterbacks that I've ever watched on film. I've never seen accuracy this good at this level, mm-hmm. ever. I've mm-hmm. never seen it. It's, it's consistent time after time after time after time after time, throw after throw after throw after throw. The most throws that I've ever seen him miss was maybe the uh, the Utah game. Was it, a, it was a rainy game they had this past year or this year. Or maybe it was the one of those Oregon games, uh, the first Oregon game maybe, where he missed some throws. Uh, but other than that, you know, it, he's by far the most accurate college quarterback that I've ever seen on film. And I'm not even exaggerating, and it's not even that close. Uh, you know, it, it is that impressive. Like, I'm, I sit back and watch as a former quarterback, and I'm like, damn, man, I, that that's a whole nother level. And, and I, I don't say this about many people, about many quarterbacks, but – Mac Jones, 2020 year, uh, Michael Penix this year and last year, to be honest with you, Michael <laughs> Penix all that last year too. Um, and there's one more who was who was like that um, a couple years ago. I forgot who who it was, but you know, I I had a like a list of guys. I'm like, I've never seen this, and I and, and I watch film every day. I watch college film every day when I'm wa- not watching college games on TV on Sundays. I'm watching film. I watch film all throughout the week so I can tell you about a lot of these guys. And he's the best pocket passer that I've seen ever in college football. Um, and, and I'm not exaggerating. It, it is that impressive. I mean, it's just – and everybody makes good throws. Like everybody – you can watch everybody's film and like, man, that is exceptional. But it's the fact that he does it over and over and over and over with pressure in his face. It doesn't matter. Like – it's so impressive. I can't I can't get around the fact of how impressive it is uh, because I've never seen this at this level. So, um, you know, look, if he played like that, there's no way Michigan win that game. I'm with you, man. If he, if he plays that way, like he know he can play, and like I've seen him play, there's no way in hell Michigan wins the game on, on next Monday. Um, I, just don't, I just don't see it happening. I, I just don't – how do you beat a quarterback that good? And he has three NFL receivers. <laughs> Three on the field. So how do you how do you beat that? They're compa- they're comparing comparing this team to LSU's team um, back in 2019, which I think LSU's team was a little bit better because they had better def- defense and whatnot. But um, and a better, in my opinion, a better running back too. But dude, uh, but yeah, that's what was Joe Burrow is the, the other guy I was, ta- I was talking about who that year was just you know unreal. But I think as far as just consistent accuracy. This dude, Michael Penix, is like I, I just can't get over it, man. Because I it's so it's so fun to watch. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, because he he does it over and over and over again. So uh, I, I this is one of the most fun bowl seasons uh personally that I, I've watched because I like watching teams like Liberty. I like watching teams like Tulane, you know, because I, I enjoy watching those. I know a lot of people like to just watch the power five and whatnot, but I enjoy watching those good group of five teams uh, play. You know, even even uh, South Florida and Central Florida, I enjoy watching their games. You know, so I thought I thought this is a really good bowl season, um, and the, the, you know the Sugar Bowl and the uh, Rose Bowl lived up to the hype. You know, 
coming into the playoffs, we were saying that anybody can win it, and that's exactly what we saw. We saw a game go overtime, and we saw a game go literally to the wire. Uh, so, you know, you can't ask for more than that just, you know, from a college football fan standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something else to add, A.G.? Yeah, no, not much else there. It just, I agree. I just, that Michigan Alabama game was just, it was entertaining, but, and it was great. But I hate that how it ended. <laughs> you know, the, the running it up the gut. I get wanting the ball in Milrow's hands there. He's your best player. You trust him to make a play. Just up the gut when that offensive line, especially the center, had been struggling all game. I just, I hated that play call, obviously. And I think America hated that play call. Would have loved to, that game to just keep on going and going. But, uh, you got to credit Michigan, man. They were the better team in the trenches and those Alabama um, uh, offensive line issues that were huge early in the year, you know, finally kind of reared their ugly head again. So, you know, I think, you know, it was pretty shocking to me that Alabama got knocked off and just got out physical and all the above. But like you said, Jalen, if uh, Michael Penix comes out and uh, plays like he's been playing pretty much all year, especially if he plays like he did against Texas and, he, he seems like a man on the mission. Seems pretty pissed off. They didn't win the Heisman. You know, I don't. I didn't have a problem giving it to Daniels, but I always thought him or Penix had to be the choice. It had to be one of them. So at least it went to one of them. Um, he seems pretty ticked off that, you know, they were um, underdogs in that game. Most people thought Texas was going to win. Uh, that game being in New Orleans, a bunch of Texas fans, like a home game, everyone kind of gave – Gave Texas all the all the love there, and no one really picked Washington. So there's a massive chip on that man's shoulder. I mean, just going back to you know transferring out of Indiana and all the injuries that he went through with the Hoosiers. So you know, a lot of respect for that guy. A lot of respect for Dylan Johnson, the running back who seems to be so banged up and just keeps on pushing and scoring touchdowns two or three a game every game. It feels like you know he's a guy at Mississippi State, of course, and now getting a chance to run the rock a little more there. So. Um, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm bowling for that Washington team. You know, with all the all the stuff that's out there against Michigan, it's uh, with Michigan and the sign stealing and all that crap. And uh, it's hard to want them to come out on top of this, especially if there's a chance. You know, the NCAA steps in here at some point with this season. So, uh, you know, hopefully Washington can kind of finish that fairy tale they're kind of on because. I don't know, you know, I love Kalen DeBoer, like you said, Jalen, but uh, it's curious. I'm, I'm very curious to see what they're going to look like next year when Will Rogers is the quarterback and not Michael Penix. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's a weird it, fit. It, it definitely is. And, look, I told you all on this show when people, you know, people were connecting Will Rogers to Kentucky. I was like, he he's not the guy. Uh, I, I just – I just don't see what everybody see in there, man, to be honest with you. And, look, he's not bad. He's actually pretty good for what he was doing in that offense with Mike Leach and whatnot. But I just, I, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. You know, I, I just don't. You know, he, he's very – he's not very immobile, but he's immobile. Uh, he's not big. He's a pocket passer that's not a big guy, not a big, strong guy. Uh, orange strength is questionable at times. He was in a very pass-happy offense that, you know – you know, they're dumping the ball two yards down the field. And, got, I mean, I you know, I, it's going to be a drop-off, no doubt. But, I, you know, it got a potential to be like, you know, a, a, a career-changing drop-off for, for coaches because I, I just don't – I just don't see it, man. Uh, and they're moving to the Big Ten, which, uh, you know, and everybody's going to be gunning for them now. They, they you know, everybody gunning for you now, man. You're on top. You know, you, you're the best team in the country right now, at least playing the best, in my opinion. So – I, I don't know, man. I I just don't see it. But I, what I found funny was the whole <laughs> Nick Saban uh, Harbaugh thing at the press conference when Nick Saban was like was talking about the integrity of the game while while Harbaugh was sitting like like three feet away from him. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. But um, maybe it came back to bite him and Harbaugh ignited his team with that. But you know, I, I just I just thought it was it was interesting. But yeah, I you know, like I said, I got I got Washington winning this thing. You know, I don't want to see Michigan win it either for whatever. I mean, obviously the cheating thing, it'd be a one hell of a yeah. year if they, you know, win the, the national championship of the year that this stuff come out. Um you know, I agree so with that. I'm sure most of America don't want to see it. You know, I don't I don't want to see I don't want to see it. I do respect <laughs> the way they play the game though. Oh I yeah. Do, I like the way they play. They out physical Alabama, they bullied the bully, which yeah, is hard uh, to do. Bama yeah. absolutely bullied Georgia. 
And yeah. Michigan, Michigan bullied sure Alabama. Mm-hmm. Michigan bullied Alabama. I mean, they couldn't block them. You saw that was the third and short or fourth and short where they ran that wedge play, and they were literally knocking Bama four or five yards back uh, on that play. You know, they're not the number one, you know, offensive line in the country every year for, you know, for no reason. I mean, they they uh, they got some dogs up front in their shows. So if they can do that, then they can beat Washington. But uh, if Washington can just somehow slow them down and just lean on that left arm of uh, – <laughs> Of Michael Penix, you know, I think Washington will pull it out. And Miro wasn't able to be as freaky as he'd been all year. I mean, as far as just running lanes and just being head and shoulders, the best athlete on the field, you're running. They were closing him down. They had angles on him. He didn't have gaps. He didn't have room to breathe. Nothing. And I thought, okay, you know, First quarter, okay, and then he'll eventually kind of be able to do his thing, and he never did. And the passing yards were just—it was meager. It, yeah. it was that at the, the last play. Do you know hindsight's twenty twenty? Everybody knows that. But yeah, look, Jalen, you the X is an old guy here. Uh, the old Tebow jump pass. Do we? Can we just, <laughs> is, I mean, is that you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I love it. I, my thing was just just give the guy, just give him options. Like I think when you in those yes. situations, in those situations, that's, I mean we all y'all know this, but when you get inside of the really the fifteen, but definitely the ten and most definitely the five yard line, things happen quicker. You're probably gonna get man blitz. There's not a lot of space. There's not a lot of room. Find a way to get guys out. Get your eligibles out and routes to give him options. So if the play does break break down, that he can use his legs as a last resort, but give him options. I think the fact that you run, you know, the snap was bad, so that threw him off. Talk, uh, so he talk probably, about, talk yeah, about he, how that affects oh, the quarterback. Man, if don't get me started. Luckily, I, I've never had to deal with that ever. I've never mm-hmm. dealt with snaps that bad uh, in my life. To be honest with you, you know, we had some high school centers that struggled from time to time. But on this level of football, guys, that's the worst I've ever seen. You know, they did – somebody charted it. It was like 48% of the snaps were off target. Off target meaning out of the frame, out of his body frame, out of Milrose frame, you know, the ball was outside of him or on his toes. You know, so you can't play quarterback consistently that way. Uh, there's no way you can play quarterback consistently that way, especially in the playoffs where the team you're going against is probably the best team that you played all year. So, you know, it, it's just impossible to play quarterback that way. You know, I've never seen Nick Saban not make an adjustment throughout the season when this guy's been doing this consistently. They must not have anybody else to put in. But, you know, I, it it's the craziest thing I've ever seen because I never thought I would see this, that you know, at, to this level on this level. You know, I never thought, you know, a, a Power 5 school, Bama, at that would have these type of issues. But on the flip side, I did – say I, I was watching an Auburn game. Yeah, Alabama Center is in the portal now. But I, I was watching the Auburn game, and I was like, if Jalen Miro and the offensive coordinator don't get this passing game together, they're going to lose a game. Mm-hmm. Because I, you go back and watch that game, there's so many guys running wide open. There were so many guys running open against Georgia. There were so many guys running open against Michigan. He just He's just not seeing it. Mm-hmm. He's not seeing it. He's not getting to it quick enough when he do see it. So uh, that was an issue. I don't know if it's the scheme. I don't know if it's the coach. And I don't know if it's the quarterback. It could be a mixture of everything. Usually that's what it is. But, uh, you know, I, I was like, they, they didn't get high enough quarterback play. You know, put it like this. If Michael Pennis was on that team, they'd be Michigan by a couple scores, I think. Because mm-hmm. he had some guys running running open. Yeah. If you watch, you watch the end zone copy, he had some guys running open that I don't know how he didn't see. Um, you know, yeah. and, you know, the offensive line was an issue too, but. They had a lot of issues going on, to be honest with you. Talk about, too, real quick, the, you know, you you retweeted, I don't know if it's CBS Sports, but the helmet cam about how hard that is. And sometimes, no matter how tall you are, you still really can't see. You just kind of have a feel. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm so happy that, that, you know, more people are starting to post, like, helmet cam footage. So people – in their living rooms or the average pedestrian that watches college or NFL football or high school football like that, you know, 
to that point can kind of see like dude even on a helmet cam which is like two or three inches higher than um Tua's eyes you still can't see much you know it's still hard it's still hard to see downfield so that just goes to show you how tough it is to pass from the pocket you know especially if you're having you know issues up front with your OL so maybe that's part of Milrow's issue too but it is tough to do, man. Like it, it is. Like it. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't really see your guy coming open. You you know that he's coming open based on what you saw a couple milliseconds ago. You know what I'm saying? You don't really see it happening sometimes. You have faith and trust where he's going, and you have faith and trust what you previously saw that you can throw that ball. So, you know, if people tell you that, hey, this six four guy, he's gonna be able to see over the line, they're lying to you. You know. <laughs> That's just not the truth all the time. Like most of the time at quarterback, you're seeing in between linemen and you're seeing, you know, if your drop, your drop is deep enough, you can see over certain guys at certain points, but you're never just standing back there looking over them. You know, these linemen on that level, they're six, four, six, five, six, 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 seven, six, eight, sometimes even six, nine, you know, you're not, trust me, you're not seeing over those guys. You got big D linemen who are about the same height, sometimes even taller who sometimes get their hands up. It's not about seeing over them. It's about knowing what the defense is doing, knowing where your routes are going, and having a feel for the game. You have to feel it. Like, you can't sit back and – I remember it was the game we played Louisville. Uh, We lost the game, unfortunately. But I threw a touchdown to Alex Montgomery uh, in the end zone towards the locker room, and I had no idea where Alex was when I threw the ball. No idea whatsoever. I didn't know where he was, you know, and that play always stood out to me because I, I was like, man, I wish people could like experience this because I didn't even see him at all. I just knew based on the play that we were running where he was supposed to be. I did not see him. So, uh, you know, that's just how it goes. You know, playing, I can only imagine what Kyler Murray feels. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, can, I, I, I can only imagine you got to, you know, move the pocket with him and, and let him scramble and do his thing because he just, a lot of times, especially with the quick game stuff, he sometimes just don't see it. You got trees in front of you, man. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder, you mentioned the wide receivers getting wide open, and obviously, you know, there's, there was a lot of that, you know, when Kentucky played Alabama this year, and and Milrow did hit on it. And I, I just wonder, you know, obviously, you look at Jermaine Burton, 798 yards, Isaiah Bond's a really good player, but – you know, it just feels like the last couple of years, and maybe I'm wrong, it's still Alabama and they've still got some dudes, but they haven't had that wide receiver worth I mean, they've had seven at the same time at one point where it's just must get them the ball no matter what, trust it no matter what. And it just seemed like maybe, you know, Milrow didn't have a guy that he felt like no matter what he could trust and get the ball to where, you know, if you even remember the national championship again. Um, Georgia a couple of years ago that they lost the guy was um, was Williams you know the guy with the lines right now I don't know why I'm tripping on his first name um, Jameson Jameson mm. thank you Jameson Williams and then he goes down and they their passing game completely that was it you know yeah. and obviously Alabama had a two loss season last year but um, I don't know that that was kind of one of my thinkings like is Alabama just missing that star wide out for Milrow to just say screw it you know I'm going to him like the you know Kyler Murray quote saying "F it, I'm going to D Hop." Like, do they need that type of dude again in, in Tuscaloosa? Or, uh, it, it was just weird not seeing, like you said, from what I saw of the of some of the clips I saw on Twitter, people breaking it down. It looked like he had some open guys, and maybe just wasn't trusting his reads, wasn't trusting those guys. Yeah, I think it, I think part of it is just the cycle of life. They've had they had like what 2017, 18, 19. Where they had the best receivers in the country, probably. Uh, where they had Judy, Ruggs, Smith. I mean, I mean, they had, they were loaded at receiver for like five or six years straight. They had like legit three receivers that were that are playing in the NFL right now. They're all starting on the field, you know, for like five. It was like five years in a row. Um, so maybe it's just a cycle of life where you know they just in the down period right now. Uh, but I personally believe that it's partially the receiver coach. Um, because to be honest with you, when I watch their film, like even a couple times against Michigan, he's throwing the ball and receivers are not turning around on time. And not that has been the case for the past three years. Bryce Young was just so good that he covered up a lot of stuff. Like, 
watching Bama's film, if you go back and watch the film from like 2021, 2022, and obviously this year, they hadn't had, you know, detail that receiver. Kind of what we were talking about with Barryon and the receivers at Kentucky. You can tell that the detail is not there. Like they're not running, you know, it's not cohesive. They're not on all on the same page. It doesn't look like all one heartbeat when it comes to the, the passing game. Uh, Bryce Jones was just the best player in the country, you know, so he, they got away with it from time to time. But, you know, I, 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 it's the recruiting, you know, maybe that's not been up to par, uh, at least to Alabama standards. But I also think it's whatever it is, it's the cohesiveness between receiver and quarterback hasn't been as good since uh, Mac Jones left. Yeah, and, no doubt about it. And this – this quote unquote down year for Alabama is 11 and two and you win the SEC championship and you make it to the final four and, and you know, give Michigan the game in the playoff. Uh, a lot of teams would trade with them, you know, and you want to say they're dead and, and, you know, the dynasty's over, but you know, they'll, they'll be in a revenge tour next year, just like Georgia will be. So. Yeah. Hey, I, hey, watch <laughs> out for Georgia next year, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, quarterback coming back. I mean, dude, you know they you know they're gonna reload, man. They got they're gonna be ready to go. Um, you know, they, they feel like they got and look, you know, no disrespect whatsoever to Florida State, but we all knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. Now, to be honest with you, I didn't know it was gonna be a 60 point victory. I didn't know they were gonna win by 60. That was always a joke to people saying, Hey, they're gonna beat Florida State by 60 points, they're gonna beat them by 50. Oh, well, they, they actually they actually beat them by sixty points. Um, mm-hmm. So you know that's kind of crazy, man. When you think about it, you know you look at the list of transfers, opt outs, or injured players. You look at that list, and it's about the same. Uh, Georgia and Florida State were about the same. It's just you know to be honest with you, Florida State they're missing the quarterback, but they're just not on that level, man. And they 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 you know they got through, they got by with it this year but they they, they're not they're not on that level that's a whole nother level and to be honest with you i still think that georgia's the best team in the country they just happened to lose to a team that just played really good that day uh in the sec championship game but if you put georgia in in the playoffs georgia be playing for the national championship game they'd be winning the national championship game i think yeah so (laughs) that's just what it is they they were the real snub georgia was not florida state yeah so i think that was the point they were trying to prove in that yeah. one. And they were also, yeah. you know, like Kirby Smart said, they were trying to show, hey, you got to do something about this bowl season stuff where you're still having some really good games. Like, you know, Kentucky fans got, you know, I guess you, I can't say they got blessed with because they lost, but at least they had one of the more entertaining games of the cycle. Mm-hmm. There were some other really good ones throughout bowl season. I mean, the LSU Wisconsin game was really good. So, um, but all these opt outs, they got to figure something out. You know, the timing of these games, incentive, uh, you know, making, I don't know, money, being, getting people to play this game, you know, convincing them that, hey, I, I should play this game. I will be okay. I won't screw up my draft stock type thing. So um, Kirby Smart also wanted to prove that point that, you know, hey, they're out, everybody, and we, we're bought in. And uh, we're going to have to stick it to them to prove a couple points here. I think it's an easy fix, though. Easy fix. What is it? To get guys to play in the bowl games. A lot of people ain't going to like this, but it is what it is. You put in their NIL deal to where, hey, if you want to get this percentage of the money, you have to agree to play in the bowl game. If you don't play, you don't get it, or you got to pay it back, or somehow whatever work it out. Or you could put, hey, if you play in the bowl game, you're now uh, qualified to receive whatever extra X amount of dollars uh, just because you played in the bowl game. And make it, you know, these schools got enough money, man. These boosters and collectors got enough money where they can make this thing worthwhile and get that done. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if some schools are doing that behind the behind the scenes anyway. Hey, you play in the bowl game, we'll break you off X amount of dollars, uh, and send you on your way. You know, I, I why not? You know what I'm saying? That you, we're doing everything else now. <laughs> I mean, why not do that? So uh, like, a, like a clause. Yeah, yeah, put a clause. That's, 
Yeah. yeah that, and that's an easy fix, man. Like, okay, we'll we'll set this thing up. We'll pay you, you know, three hundred thousand dollars of NIL money this year. However, um, you won't receive X amount unless you sign and agree to play in the bowl game or in whatever whatever else they got going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you can fix that. Now, if God still don't do it, then I don't have your answer, but I, I think, you know, a lot of times, especially to young people, money is the answer. No. No doubt. No. Oh, yeah. Or something with guarantees with injuries, too, would help, too. Mm-hmm. Some sort yeah. of insurance, something. Yeah, I'm that's, sure. I'm sure that's yeah, the fear, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And I, I think they, I think some schools, I don't know if it's legal for the schools to do it, but they, they find a way to get insurance policies. You oh, can't yeah. tell me that. You know Bryce Young and uh, what's the D, the DN from Bama last year? Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Yeah, both Knicks played, even this year. Yeah, they they played the Sugar Bowl. Uh, you know they yeah. had some. Blake crazy- Neighbors played in the Outback Bowl or whatever they're calling that thing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. Wrap it up, man. The SEC play starts in Gainesville, so the first real, real road game for the Cats is at Florida. Um, and then, you know, little layoffs between Saturday and Illinois State. So we'll see. Uh, I saw you put a piece out on the Cats polls about, you know, we'll see how much progress they made as far as rebounding is concerned. Yeah. You're going up against a good rebounding team in Florida. Yeah, really, really good rebounding team leading the country in just total rebounds. I'll have to go look at what their uh, rebounding margin is, but you know they got a lot of size. You have a 6'10 forward who's leading the SEC in shooting percentage, and then second in rebounding. They have a seven foot transfer from Marshall, so you know they've they've got a lot of size and um, they can uh, make things happen in that regard. And they're they're a good offensive team. They rank 12th in points per game. They're not great. Um, defensively but but the rebounds so if you miss they're going to get the ball yeah they're plus 11 in rebound margin so rebound margin they're 13th best and then texas a&m who kentucky plays next weekend is uh, also a plus 11 rebounding team so you got some really good rebounding teams coming up and you know i i think that was my main thing with the illinois state game that caused some concern i don't know how it, you can't be a little concerned when you give up 24 offensive rebounds a six-seven dude has 15 boards on the game. We get out rebounded by over 10 against Illinois State. You know, obviously Kentucky can shoot the lights out of the ball and score 90 every night potentially. But there's going to be those one or two games where the offense has an off day, and we saw it against UNCW. Kentucky didn't shoot the ball great. They didn't rebound great. They lost the game. So you go into SEC play when you're playing some pretty good teams. You're playing physical teams. You do that. You, you know, you're going to drop a game or two. So, you know, I'm sure there's been a lot of rebounding work in practice this week. I'm sure that's been a heavy emphasis. You know, Aaron Bradshaw and Uganda and Yenso kind of got put on notice after the game with, you know, Cal giving some tough love, talking about how he cannot play them if they're not going to rebound. And right on point, man. I mean, we've seen how good they can be with a small ball lineup. And if those two seven-footers aren't going to come in and rebound, you know, what, what are they doing? Right. So uh, I'm cool with that. Um, and we'll see. We'll see how they respond down in Gainesville. Again, this is a, a solid Florida team. They're 10 and three. They rebuilt through the portal. They were kind of having some momentum. You know, last year, SEC play, they were 500 team and had, you know, a big win over Tennessee. Had, uh, had a couple other big wins that are slipping me right now. So, you know, this is a it's a pretty tough starting point in SEC play. But, you know, it's a team Kentucky's handled. For the most part, the last couple of years, I think only one loss in their last nine against them. Uh, haven't lost down at the O-Dome since 2018. So, you know, momentum's on their side in this series. But, you know, you want to go out there and, and get a big win to start conference play because, you know, they should be able to handle Missouri Tuesday. But then you go on the road to A&M. You want to at least go one and one in that stretch. And it would be big, you know, to start SEC, off, SEC play off on the right foot. And it would be a quad one win, too. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll uh, talk about all that next Wednesday. Uh, what else you got, man, coming down the pipe in the Cats' polls, man? Everybody yeah. Go check out your yeah. work. Yeah, we're obviously – it's, you know, full go on, on, on basketball now. I mean, we'll have, obviously, football news as it happens. We'll get cranked up again uh, at the end of February and into early March with um, 
with spring ball and you know there there'll be some football stories here and there coming out next couple of months but obviously it's a uh, it's basketball that has the show right now and uh sec play a lot of road trips i get to make coming up here so i'm excited about that and um it should be a really exciting i think there's a lot of excitement uh, for this Kentucky, but obviously there's always excitement when you're talking Kentucky basketball, but the way this team has played at times this year, um, the way they've dominated some really good teams, got a really good win against Carolina, uh, the SEC, the way that it stacks up, uh, this should be a pretty fun couple of months. We're about to tip off on Friday, uh, on Saturday, rather. Yeah. And what about your Knicks? They, they trade them in your quickly. I know. <laughs> I, I was yeah when I first saw that I was annoyed because uh, obviously I covered quick and I love I loved covering him I loved watching him play you know I loved his attitude obviously not playing much his first year coming back and you know being a first team all SEC guy uh, wish I got to we got to see him play in that NCAA tournament of course but uh, mm-hmm. you know that is what it is but um as far as the trade, I understand it. I think OJ Ananobi is more is kind of what they want RJ Barrett to be, where he's a total player, plays really good defense, solid offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, he already had a pretty good first game there, beat a really good Minnesota team. So, you know, I was okay with that aspect of it, but I, I hated to see that quick had to go to get it done. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know your fan base better than we do, but you know, there's the Knicks fans, they're not Philly fans, but they can be hard to win over. It no, can they can't be. hard for them to, to embrace guys. They loved quickly. Love and, and there was a lot of pissed off Knicks fans when they saw this trade go down. Yeah. You know? and, I, and I think we were all kind of happy to let kind of let the R.J. Barrett thing end. It just never <laughs> never fully worked out uh, with the Knicks. Not to say he was a bad player, bad dude or anything. I just, you know, it, it ran its course. But – uh, would have been – it sucked that quickly had to be part of it because I think OG is a really good fit for that team. But, um, man, like you said, what, what New Yorkers appreciate the most are guys who scrap, maybe not – you know, you don't think of them as a star, and then they bust onto the scene and kind of just bust their butt, go to work, and get results every night. And that's what quickly did. I mean, it's a pretty consistent player, uh, did a lot of good things, and, uh, you know, obviously, hopefully – the rest of the season goes well in Toronto, and then he's going to be a free agent. So, chance to get paid somewhere. So far, so good. He's had five threes against Memphis tonight. Sure. Last count. So he's he's uh, smoothly yeah. transitioning into his he, Toronto. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid pretty good money mm-hmm. to be a six or you know a starter somewhere uh, this offseason. I'm excited to see what that contract is for. And you mentioned that 2020 team. You know. Tyrese Maxey is killing it with Philly oh, quickly in New York. Nick Richards in Charlotte, the, the poor Hornets. Yeah, he's on a, he got a second contract. But yeah. So, you know, that's the core of that team right there. And mm-hmm. the guys are, are doing well in the league, you know. And and my good – Yeah, Sestina's still playing overseas, dude. Yeah. And Shay in Oklahoma City. I mean, he wasn't on that team. Oh, my. He's a top ten – he might be a top five player in the league right now, I think. Huh. And they're what? What's their record? They're they're in really good shape, aren't they? Yeah, I think they beat Boston last night. Yeah, they're twenty three. They lost tonight, so they're twenty three and ten. It's mm. pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Casey Wallace is contributing down there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, he's going to be a guy who's going <laughs> to. I'm not going to say he's going to tick off Kentucky fans, but it's going to be another one of those. Where was this when he was here? That's <laughs> good. It, I mean, not to say obviously Tyrese was a solid player, fan favorite, but I mean he's just taking on a whole new. It, He's just a whole new dude in the NBA. He's 10 times better. And same with uh, Keldon Johnson, right? He did it in spurts at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a glue guy for that team that went to the Elite Eight. But, I mean, he's a borderline star down there in San Antonio, just not mm-hmm. getting recognized as much because they, they lose a lot down there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. he was on the Olympic team, wasn't he? I mean, it's so. a pretty big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. So keep up with all that. You know, Every game Kentucky plays in league play, the NBA cats are doing the portal football, you know, all the sports. We'll keep up with it. We'll bring it to you each and every week. Appreciate everybody jumping in here and commenting and following us on Twitter and YouTube and, and, and interacting. We definitely appreciate that. Y'all keep it up. Uh, we'll be back next week doing the same thing. Uh, if you want to advertise your business or product, we'd feel love to endorse it and promote it on the show as well. So appreciate everybody that took time to come and check us out. For Jalen Whitlow, Aaron Gershon, my name is Vinny Hardy. 
Go Cats beat the Gators, and we'll holler at everybody next week on Believe in Kentucky, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.